Wonderful. Thank you, everyone, and good morning to you on uh, YouTube. Good to have you joining us this morning. Good morning to everyone else in the room here. It's really lovely to see, as Tim said, some fresh haircuts in the room. I went to go and have my haircut. The queue was too big, and so Sarah did it for me. And she said to me that I can say this, that if there's any bit she's missed that you can tell me, and she'll sort it out later on. So great to have you here with us this morning. We've got a standalone message this morning, not part of a bigger series. Uh, Next week, we're going to be returning to our series in the book of Luke. Um, But today we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, so if you have a Bible with you, you might like to turn there now. Before we get tucked into God's Word today, I want to invite you to our prayer and vision night, which is happening this Wednesday night at 7.45. These really are the beating heart of our church. We love to pray. We're a church that loves to pray. And uh, you need to book in to be there, uh, be here in the room on Wednesday. Uh, Head to our website where you can uh, book in there. Um, but we do have the, also the opportunity to live stream this prayer meeting to our Facebook community group. So it's a bit more of an in-house meeting. So we're doing this in our, our Facebook community group. We'd love to have you join us if you don't feel able to be uh, in the room with us at this time or if perhaps it's fully booked here, which we hope it will be. Uh, we're going to have a great time praying for some big things in the life of our church. And one of those big things is that we are praying for uh, Jan Baker and Rod Bennett and for Esme Virgo as we appoint Point them as deacons here at Hope. Now, in the New Testament, we see that churches uh, had two kind of groups or types of leader. There was elders or pastors or overseers, those charged with uh, the overall responsibility for the church. And then there were deacons who were men and women who uh, had leadership roles in the church. Uh, And these guys are already playing a part, um, supporting Tim as he heads up our pastoral care here. They form our pastoral care core team. And uh, we want to pray God's blessing upon them and empowerment for them as they undertake this role. We were going to do it last year. You may remember we were going to do it, I think, in the middle of March, and then lockdown came. So we're now going to have the chance to do this. So it's a really important night, and we really would love for everyone to join, whether that's in person here or uh, via the live stream. And if you're joining via the live stream, please do send in your your comments and encouragements and prayers. Uh, We'd love to have them. Okay, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And uh, what we are going to read in just a moment is a description of the the early church. Now, you need to understand that what has just happened before these verses that we're going to read is that there's been another festival in Jerusalem, this big festival where thousands have gathered. Just try and think back to those times when big gatherings were allowed. Thousands were gathered and... Peter, the apostle, uh, one of Jesus' closest friends, has got the attention of the crowd, and he bellows out this message that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the promised one, that he was the one who uh, was crucified for us, but it was all part of the plan of God that we might be saved, and he appeals to them to uh, repent, to turn away from their sin, to believe in Jesus, and to be baptized. And that's what happens. Incredibly, 3,000 people who are listening to Peter's message respond there and then, and they get baptized. I don't know what that looked like, but I think they all walked down to the nearest river in masses of, masses of people and just got baptized there and then. They responded to the message and got baptized. And now the church in Jerusalem has has multiplied 26 times from 120 people to over 3,000 people. Imagine Hope Church multiplying overnight 26 times. It would be chaos, wouldn't it? And yet what we see here is something so glorious. Let's read in uh, verses 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship 
to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Shall we pray, folks? Let's ask God to really help us to land in our hearts. Father, we need you. We've sung this. We've read this this morning. We need you. And we need you to come now as we unpack your word. We want you to come and do a work in our hearts, Lord. We really sincerely want you to come and change us, shape us, make us more like Jesus. Please, Father, let us be receptive to what you're speaking to us through your word this morning. Amen. Amen. So I want to focus on these three words that we read at the outset of this passage today. They devoted themselves. I wonder if you could repeat that back to me. They devoted themselves. Everything else that we read in this passage about this incredible church flows from those words. They devoted themselves. These people had found what we've sung this morning. They'd found that there was nothing better than Jesus. I don't know what it was that they were running after before they came to know Jesus. Probably the same things that people run after today. After a good reputation, after popularity, after a great friendship group, after better possessions, more stuff. They probably ran after the same things that people run after today, but they'd come to see Jesus is better than anything else. And they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to him first and foremost. And the word in the, in the original language that this text was written, the word for devotion is like being uh, firmly stuck to something. They were stuck to Jesus. They, 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 were, they were forever intertwined with Jesus. They were passionately, they were fervently stuck to Jesus. This is who this early church was. And I just want to ask us this morning, have we lost this in some way, friends? Have we got this devotion in our hearts to Jesus above all else? Have we, have we kind of lost sight of the fact that he really is better than anything else. Have we got this in our hearts? Are we devoted to him or are we kind of drifting in our hearts? You might have even fought through all of the weird COVID regulations to get here today and you could still be drifting in your heart. Pushed through a booking system and the website kept going down and having to wear a mask and kind of being a bit weird, isn't it, really? But you could have pushed through all of this and you could still be drifting in your heart. Not devoted as you once were. And Jesus has some things to say to us if this is us. If you recognize this in your heart, this is what Jesus says to a church in, in Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. His friend John has this vision of the risen Jesus. And Jesus has some things to say to the churches that were around at this time. He says, 
In Revelation 2 and verse 4, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. And this is what he says. If this is you, if you know I've drifted, if you know my devotion isn't what it once was, this is what Jesus says to you. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, that you have abandoned, sorry, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Jesus is saying, remember, cast your mind back to the time in your life where you would do anything for me. Cast your mind back to the time where you didn't care if you looked stupid. Where where you didn't care if you just looked over the top in your praise. Cast your mind back to the time where you stood up for me. When everyone called you a Bible basher or whatever they called you. And you said, no, I belong to Jesus. Remember that time when you would just go for a walk and just pour out your praise to me. Remember that time when you were so hungry for more of the word that you just couldn't stop reading it and you wanted more and more. Remember that time when you had to tell everyone. Everyone had to know. Remember that time. And he says, and go back. Turn away from some things. Turn away from some things and go back to the things that you first did. In Hebrews 12, we read this intriguing verse about sin. It says this, chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer to the Hebrews is making a distinction here between things that are sin and things that are weights that we need to throw off. So the implication there is that there are some things that are morally neutral that I can't say, hey, you really need to stop doing that because it's it's clear in God's word that this is wrong. But there are some things that are are morally neutral that become weights for us, that weigh us down, that stop us running wholeheartedly after Jesus. And it would be very different for different people. There might be some things here that you just know, yeah, that that is a weight for me. I need to lay that down in order to get back to the things that I first did, in order to get back to this pure, unadulterated devotion to Jesus. There might be some things that you know, I need to lay that down. And that thing isn't necessarily sinful. And others could actually enjoy that thing, whatever it may be, and it doesn't hold them back. So there's some things that are sin, yes, that are absolutely wrong in God's sight, and we need to to, uh, walk away from. But there are some things that are weights that hold us back, that, that restrict us from our devotion to Jesus. And Jesus is saying in this verse, repent, turn around from those things and go back. What is it that you did at first? What is it that you walked in at first? Is it that you would just go for a long walk and enjoy the presence of God? Is it that you would play your guitar or piano, however however skillfully or not, and just sing to God? Is it that you would write poetry? Is it that you would just read the Psalms. I don't know what it might be, but what is it that you did at first 
that you need to go back to to pursue devotion to Jesus. These people, they devoted themselves. There was, a, there was a, an earnest devotion. Our, our devotion to Jesus is the most important thing. There, there is nothing more important than our devotion to Jesus. Jesus says that the, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and mind and soul and strength. There is nothing more important than your devotion to Jesus. Be ruthless with the things that inhibit or restrict your devotion to Jesus. Be ruthless with those things. Even things that you think, well, that's not sinful to do that. If it's inhibiting your devotion to Jesus, get rid of it. Be ruthless with it. The Christian life is, is not here as a list of, of things I, I should or shouldn't do. The Christian life is, I've found Jesus to be better than anything else, and I want to know him more. I'm hungry for more of him. I'm hungry for more of him. And we're going to stand in about 10 minutes as we come to a close. And I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. But we're just going to say again, Jesus, I want to be devoted to you. I want to give my all to you. I don't want anything else to come first in my life. I want you to be first. This is what the Christian life is all about. It's a pursuit of Jesus. It's It's a pursuit of him. So what does it look like in their community, this devotion to Jesus? Well, it looks like several things. We're going to get through them quite quickly because we're restricted in time. It looks like devotion to the teaching of the apostles. This passage that we've read describes years, okay? It's, it's, it's a long period. It's describing the flavor of the church. And these people were hungry for instruction. They were hungry to be instructed in the ways of Jesus. I don't know how many of us that would describe I don't know how many of us could be described as being hungry for instruction. Some of us are cynical about preaching. We think, why do I have to go to a building and be talked at for 30 minutes? And I want to just say, friends, if only you knew how much you were being preached at every single day. If only you knew how much the world is trying to squeeze you into its mold every single day, then you wouldn't say, half an hour on a Sunday is too much. You'd be hungry. I want, to go, I want to learn the ways of Jesus because everything else in the world is going that way. The ways of Jesus are going that way. I want to learn how to walk in his steps. I want, I want to be instructed. I want, I want to, the word of God to dwell in me richly. They were hungry for instruction. They were hungry to know more of Jesus. This is why we come together. We want to keep being brought back to Jesus. The Apostle Paul is the expert in Jesus, okay? If you, if you have a mastermind quiz night and you want someone to answer questions on Jesus, you put up the Apostle Paul, okay? He knows this guy. He knows Jesus. He's walked with him for years, and he says in, in Philippians 3 verse 10, I want to know Christ. That's my ambition in life. I want to know more of Jesus. That's, that's his hunger in life. I want to know him more. There's more of him to know. Oh, friends, I want us to have a hunger to know Jesus more. I want this for us. They were devoted to worship and prayer. This worship looked like them centering their lives around the cross. It talks, talks about breaking bread. They had, in not little awkward cups that take forever to open, they had meals together, and they had bread, and they had wine, and they gloried in the cross, and they gloried in what Jesus had done for them. And they said, Jesus, it's all about you. You've done it where we couldn't do it. They gloried in the cross. This is what it looked like week upon week, day by day. 
There may have been times when they gathered together and have big feasts, but they would have done it had they had people over. Let's have some communion. Why don't you have communion in the garden with some people this week? Why don't you invite some people over, one household or up to six people, and say, hey, let's have, let's have communion together. Let's enjoy, let's revel in Jesus and what he's done for us together. They were devoted to prayer. There were times when they were called together for prayer nights. You know, in Acts chapter 12, we see uh, the, uh, James the Apostle has been killed by King Herod, and Peter is in prison awaiting the same fate. And what, what, where do we find the church? They've called a prayer meeting at Mary's house. Everyone's piling over to Mary's, and we're going to pray. There was, there was nights when they prayed, like, we're going to pray this Wednesday. There were nights when they said, right, everyone drop what you're doing, we're going to pray. And then there was a culture of prayer. They just would have prayed, having a laugh one moment, the next moment they're praying for each other. I believe that was the culture and the flavor of the church. And that's the flavor of the church we want at Hope, that we pray together. We might be laughing one minute, we might be having a bit of banter one minute, and then someone says, you know what, I'm struggling with this, and we all just pile and we pray. This is the, the, the culture of the church here. This is who we are. If you're new to Hope, if you're looking in, just get ready to pray over the next few years, however long God has you with us. We're going to pray lots. There was a hunger for the kingdom of God to break out. A devotion to Jesus leads to a hunger to, to see others coming to know him for themselves, to see others coming to, to, to worship him for themselves, to see others healed and set free. And we see signs and wonders. Again, this, this describes years of the church. There may have been periods where there weren't many miracles going on, but there was a hunger. Lord, we want to see more of it. I want to have that hunger, don't you? I want us to pray on Wednesday night. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit. Stretch out your hand. This is what they pray in Acts 4. Stretch out your hand, Lord, and perform miraculous signs and wonders. We want you to move, Lord. We want you to move in power. This is what it looked like. Hunger. God, we want to see your kingdom here. It looked like a radical attitude towards possessions and money. It wasn't like these 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus, and then the apostle said, thank you for joining our club, now hand over your keys. That wasn't what it looked like. But a devotion to Jesus led to radical decisions being made. Now clearly, a lot of these people still had homes, because we read later, read later on in the chapter, they had met in their homes. So like, they weren't homeless, just kind of sleeping on the streets. But there was, over the years, there was radical decisions being made. To, to, to serve the poor and to fund mission. There was radical steps. Devotion to Jesus leads to people doing crazy things. It leads to people doing stuff that looks stupid in the eyes of the world. I was speaking to uh, Tim the other day, and he was saying to me that in his old church, there was a guy who got offered a great promotion at work, and he said, I can't take the promotion because it will mean I can't leave my small group anymore. That is ridiculous! But that's what devotion to Jesus could lead to sometimes. I'm not saying don't take a promotion, friends. But I'm saying that as we're devoted to Jesus, we're going to say, I'm going to fill every single decision that I make through the lens of, is Jesus first here? And it's going to, devotion to Jesus will make us do silly things in the, in the eyes of the world sometimes. The love of money that's a, a root of all kinds of evil was just rooted out by this church. This was... This was Something that we see, radical steps. And they met together in the large and the small. These guys took gathering as a church seriously. This is why, friends, in the months to come, as things get, you know, as things, restrictions get 
eased more and more, we cannot settle for our church experience being a press of a button. And we, we honestly are so grateful for YouTube. We're so grateful that you're joining us today. We understand that for the next few weeks, maybe even a few months, there's going to be people feeling cautious and understandably so after the traumatic year we've had. But we don't want people to get comfortable with church being, I'm going to put, put the TV on, I'm going to mute it now, I'm going to fast forward now. We don't want that. Because God's vision for the church is that it would be an outpost of heaven. That people would come amongst us in gatherings and think, surely God is amongst them. This is, this is something incredible I can't taste anywhere else. And so we, we, we've got to see that the church is it's important. And it's important to gather in the, in the large context as they did and in the small. It's both. And some people have their preferences you know, I don't like big gatherings, I'm sceptical about it, or I don't like small groups, it's awkward. I don't know what it might be. Some of us have our cynicism about it and think, oh, you know, it's all about control or whatever it might be. This is in the scripture. They gathered in the large and the small, and this was how they met with God and with each other. This is so important. It's a dwelling place of God by the Spirit as believers gather together. So important. We need larger gatherings. I, I truly believe that we need the prophetic to flow. We need to find ways in these restricted services to have more of God's voice coming through in our contributions, speaking to people for their situations and for us as a church. We need, you need to worship alongside people who are going through really hard times. You need that. I need that. I need to be able to worship with brothers and sisters who I know God is so challenging and encouraging because they're worshiping God and trusting him despite what they're going through. We need that. We need that. We need to serve in places where we get no glory. <laughs> we need to clear up, hoover up, or whatever it might be that we're doing, or serving on different things. We need to serve. That's good for us. That's really good for us. Please, let me appeal to all of us. Let us, let us heed the words of Hebrews 10, 24. It says, let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is, we, we need to gather, friends. We need to gather. And I want you to hear what I'm not saying here. I don't want you, don't want you to hear what I'm not saying, that you must come back next week, otherwise you know, you're in trouble. No, no, we do understand there's a spectrum of caution here. But we really do believe that the gathering of God's people is so important. So let's not get comfortable. Let's not get comfortable with thinking, well, my experience of church is I press a button. It might be weeks or months before you, you feel able to come back. But we must see this is so important. The day is drawing near. The day is drawing near, folks. And we need to encourage one another, stir one another up. We need to have times of praying together. Okay, let's, um, we're going to have to draw things to... I close there. I wonder if we could just stand where we are. I want to pray for us. I want us to lift our hands to God if we feel up for doing that. If we feel, I want to just, I want to take a hold of this. I want that devotion to Jesus to flow through my life. I want it to look like devotion to these things. I, I want this for my life. Friends, God's, he's at work in this church. I don't know. I I sometimes want to just stand here and just share 20 stories with you about what he's doing. I hear so many stories week to week. God is adding to our number those who are being saved. He's doing it. 
He's doing it, friends. People responding to Jesus. This is what we see at the end of this passage. He's doing it. Let's be devoted to Jesus. Let's be devoted to him. Let's lift our hands. Lord Jesus, we just want to declare now, Lord, you are the one that it's all about. Lord, no one else in history is like you. History itself belongs to you. It is all about you. It is all about you. Lord Jesus, and and nothing compares to you. Lord, I want my heart to be utterly devoted to you. Lord, I want nothing else to come first. I want you to come first. I want you to come first, Lord Jesus. I want to lay aside every weight and every sin and pursue you wholeheartedly. I want that for my life. I want that for my brothers and sisters here. I want us to be a people devoted to you, utterly devoted to you. Why don't you just say to Jesus now, even under your breath, you can speak out softly to your king. Just say, Lord Jesus, I, I want to return to, the, to my first love. I want to return. I don't want to grow cold. I don't want to drift. I want to, be, I want to return to my first love. Lord Jesus, I want to return to the things that I did before. I want to pursue you with a whole undivided heart. I want to know you more, Lord. I want to know you more. Lord Jesus, would you blow through our church, blow through the church even now by your spirit. Come and touch hearts, come and touch lives. Come and lift eyes again, Lord, where we've wandered, where we've... Lord, let us lift eyes to your grace again, your kindness. Do you lift eyes again to your, um, to your amazing grace poured out for us? Lord, and we want to walk in undivided devotion to you. And all these other things will flow, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. When you tell him you love him, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord Jesus. I'm not ashamed to say I love you with all my heart. No one else compares to you. No one comes close, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are not ashamed to call us your brothers and sisters. (laughs) Lord Jesus, the risen one with eyes of blazing fire, with a voice of rushing waters, the one who is mighty and risen and reigning. You're not ashamed to call us your brothers and sisters. You say, she's my sister and I love her. He's my brother and I'm I'm so delight in him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is the truth. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you. Thank you for your amazing grace. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, folks. We're going to... Tim's going to come and wrap up. Come on, Tim. Come and...